Congregation, we're turning this morning to the great book of Ephesians 5. We'll begin reading at verse 21 and read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 5. Say, how do I find Ephesians? Well, it's girls eat potato chips. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You got that? Okay, everybody's got that. So Ephesians 5, we'll begin reading in verse 21, which just kind of drops us right into a, a, a clause that Paul is ending a section on, but I just wanted to grasp the first word in there, and then we'll read to the end of the chapter. Um, let me see. Okay, so you don't normally stand when we read the word? We always do. Could you mind doing that this morning, just so I feel more comfortable? I'm under the law here. We have to stand. <laughs> Ephesians 5. Let's hear the word of God speak to us now. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The word of the Lord to us this morning. Thank you. Please be seated. Our dear Heavenly Father, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, that is our desire. Our desire is that in all things we do, we do out of a reverence for you, our dear Heavenly Lord and Savior. May our lives reflect it no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, whether at work or anywhere else. It is such a dark world, and it needs your light. May we be the instruments of that light. We pray that you will give Reverend Vandermeer the words that he needs 
to convey the truths of this passage. We pray that you will give him strength, that you will give him the ideas that we need to hear. We just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, congregation, um, recently I had a couple of builders come and see me. Uh, they, they are very involved in the home building trade. Uh, one's a painter, and the other one is a, um, a tiler. He does all this fancy tile work. But they came to see me in my office with a bit of terror-stricken uh, faces, very concerned and worried. I said, gentlemen, what is, what is the matter? And I said, Pastor, we're going to need a whole series on our marriages. So, and I thought, there's something wrong with their marriages. What's the matter? Guys, what's up? And I said, well, have you not heard? I said, no, what's, what's the matter? Well, the interior designers are starting to bring wallpaper back into the marketplace. And when they said that, terrors came all across my face. Now, some of you young people have no clue what I'm talking about. But the gray heads out here, we know. We remember the days of hanging wallpaper on a Friday night in our bathroom with our wife. It didn't go well. It was ugly. And when it was all done and the wallpaper was finished and crooked and half hanging, we were glad to go to church on Sunday and confess our sins. So I bring to you today Ephesians 5 because we're in trouble, folks. They're bringing wallpaper back out. No, I'm just kidding. But we do have a text before us this morning that's so vitally needed in our homes. Amen? Perhaps when I talked to you this morning, it said turn to Ephesians 5, and you heard that word submit, and you heard that word love, you were already uncomfortable, and you were thinking, oh no, a half hour of this again. Maybe you've already started to move into that defensive posture ready to defend yourself against the word of God, well, you're going to lose. <laughs> so let's be open to hear what God would say to us this morning about our marriages. Well, let me hasten to say to those of you who aren't married here today that no, you don't have to check out for the next half hour because there's nothing I'm going to say has to do with your life right now. Uh, well, I, let me say a couple of things. One, uh, you see... Uh, Woven in this text is words about Christ and his church. Woven in this text is, um, is the whole aspect of submission. We're told in verse 21 that we're all to be submitting one to another. So in a, a very real sense, even as a husband, I'm submitting to my, my wife as she submits to me. That's, that's there. And of course, her... She has a love for me, even though the text does not command anywhere for my wife to love me. Uh, you've probably noticed that before. She has her own command, and I have mine. So what we have here is a text that's applicable to all of us as we seek to try to figure out, how do I submit to authority? 
Because I don't like to submit it to authority. Do you? I, I don't. I don't like to be told what to do. Do, do you? No. And so uh, we've got that element. But another element here, too, is that this, this relationship of husband and wife is just one of the relationships that's in this text. If we had had time this morning, we could have read further and, and noticed that uh, the text has to do with children. The text has to do with employees and employers. So there's a lot of relationships in this section where Paul has turned to be very practical in his book of Ephesians. So we have all these relationships going on, and for relationships to work, there always needs to be that element of love and that element of submission and all that that means, and we'll try to probe into it at least a little bit this morning. But let me then also hasten to say this text uh, has created uh, uh, books and books and libraries of writings and, and conferences, and, uh, right? And you've probably studied this text before because it's so valuable to the church and to us. So we're not going to cover it all by any means in, in just a few minutes, right? We, we all know that. So we'll just kind of hit the highlights. Um, so here's a few introductory comments. The Lord has unique commands here, doesn't he? He's very specific. Wives, so he's speaking to you now, ladies, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay, you have a unique command there. As I said, you don't have the command to love your husband, not here or anywhere else, specifically, pointedly. Of course, you're to love your husband as you're to love your enemies. <coughs> but, yeah. Husbands, you have a unique command here. It's to love your wives. Why these unique commands? Well, perhaps it's because, ladies, of your sin nature is one to, to take charge. So you you need to be told to submit. Uh, and husbands, men, because of your sin nature, to love yourself, to be focused on yourself, to be thinking about yourself, you need a command that says, wait a minute, hey, 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 you need to love your wife. Okay, so note that they're unique commands. So this is not a text that only speaks of a wife and a husband. It's a text that speaks of Jesus and a wife and a husband. So if we're to follow Jesus Christ, ladies, you'll end up submitting if you're following Jesus Christ. Gentlemen, if you're following Jesus Christ, husbands, if you are, then you will love your wife. So this is a good way to evaluate how well am I following the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I submitting to my husband? Am I loving my wife? And if there's a problem there, then the problem is my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost. So this is a text that speaks, of course, about Jesus. And then husbands and wives. That's a, a, so that's a word of rebuke, isn't it? If, if your marriage isn't doing too well, you have a spiritual problem. But that's a word of hope, too. Because if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you will have a great marriage. Isn't that, isn't that a good word to us this morning? That just motivates me all the more to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because I want to have a great marriage. So that's the, that's the encouragement here to us this morning. There's, um, 
a book out called Love and Respect. Have you studied that book? Have you ever heard the videos? I don't know if you've seen that. Maybe you've studied it here at this church. If you haven't, I recommend it. It was revolutionary for Carol and I. Um, it's, it's written by Emerson Eckrich, who, uh, who just summarizes verse 33. Let me read 33 again. Let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's, that's, that's how submission uh, unfolds. It's, it's how it rolls out. It respects her husband. And so he wrote this book, Love and Respect. And in the book, he, uh, he talks about the crazy cycle, and he talks about the energizing cycle. And the crazy cycle, he, he saw that what a man needs. Now, when I say need, that's, that's what I mean. That's like you've got to have air. You've got to have mashed potatoes. Am I right? You've got to have that. <laughs> well, you've got to have, gentlemen, respect. Because if you don't, this is what you do with your wife is you turn away any love towards her. So ladies, if your husband's not being that loving, it may be an indicator that you haven't been respecting. Because that's the crazy cycle. <clears throat> Without love, he reacts without, uh, she reacts without respect, and without respect, she reacts, uh, you know, so, so on and on it goes, down it hill. So, um, that motivated me and Carol because we started to see, oh, wait a minute. That means that we can turn this around. Instead of going down, 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 we can start to go up by the power of God if we apply his word. If I will love Carol and focus on this unconditional uh, command that I have to love her, and if she will unconditionally respect me, instead of, right, because we always hear you earn respect, no, if she gives that to me, then I'll react with love, which is the very thing she needs. She needs to be loved, and I need to be respected. That's, that's the way we're wired. But when Carol starts to do that, wow, I've seen it motivate my love. When she comes in and says, whoa, you did a good job on that. How's, what's my reaction? To love her. It's just it's natural. When she starts walking in going, Wow, that looks good. What does that do to me? Lifts me up. When I care for her, think of her, and prove it in various specific ways that say, I love you, I cherish you, I think a lot of you. You're just all I ever think about. What does that do to her? It just lifts her up. She's, she's valued. She's cared for. So these... This, these are the things that are just permeating these, this text. So uh, I suppose we're in a hurry to get into this, right, ladies? So shall we start with you? Wives, submit. By the way, let me just throw a question out there for those of you great theologians, because I haven't got the answer, so I'll throw the question out. Why does he start with wives? Why didn't he start with husbands? Well, that's something you can think about. Wives, you're first. What does it say? What's your unique command? Jot it down. Submit. Well, let's try to define this thing. It's the positive side uh, of submission is to be godlike, Christ displaying. It's to be like Jesus Christ 
in his relationship with his father. If you want a picture of submission, look to Jesus. Now, would you ever say that Jesus is less than the Father? Oh, no. Our Nicene Creed clearly speaks that they're equal in power and glory. Amen? Right? We would never, ever think. So it is within our culture that when someone is said, look, if you submit to someone, then you're less than them. That's a worldly cultural statement. That's not a biblical statement at all. That's not a, a Jesus picture at all. So ladies, you have one of the great, the greatest example of submission is found in Jesus Christ. And, and never has the father come to the son and mistreated him and thought less of him. No, uh-uh, no. The son came to obey, came to fulfill the father's decree and will. He came to serve. He came to give himself to the great cause of salvation and the glory of God that would be returned to him by those who love him. And so the son um, understood his position, understood his calling from the very beginning and entered into it joyfully and fulfilled it perfectly and loved every moment of it, serving his father. So much so that the last words on the cross are that he, he gives himself, his spirit to the Father. It's a beautiful statement. It's an incredible worship statement after he's just, just absorbed the wrath of God upon himself. But such was the submission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the definition. It's not being a doormat. It's not being brain dead. It's not being manipulated. Jesus was not brain dead or manipulated, was he, ladies? No. Our times, no. He was strong in his submission. <clears throat> submission does not mean agreeing with everything your husband thinks. Submission does not mean leaving your brain or your will or your gifts behind as you seek to be submissive in your relationship, even in the body of Christ much less your home. Submission does not mean avoiding being used by God to bring change. God's brought you a man to help mold into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, to hold him up into the hands of God to be chiseled on so that he might better look like Christ. You have a great calling. Submission does not mean putting the will of anyone before the will of Christ. That's why we always submit as unto the Lord. Submission does not mean I operate out of the fear of my husband. It's not healthy, and of course that's not a, a love atmosphere. If that's what submission is not, then what is it? Well, John Piper said these words, Submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry it through according to her gifts. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership. I know you're wanting me to read that again. Shall I try it again? Here it is. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority, an inclination to yield to his leadership. It's an attitude that, dis that says, I delight 
for you to take the initiative in our family. I'm glad when you take responsibility for things and lead with love. I don't flourish in the relationship when you are passive and I have to make sure the family works. Or, or devotions happen. Or the kids get in the van uh, to get to church on time. Or all these things a woman ends up having to do because the husband's just kind of dragging around being passive and doing nothing. No, a woman flourishes when her husband reacts to her submission in a way that builds the family and blesses it. So, um, what, is sub- what is submission? Well, I used to make furniture before I became a pastor. I didn't become a pastor until I was 45, 6, something years old. And uh, <clears throat> I worked in a furniture factory for years prior to that. We used to make tables. So I think a table is an excellent illustration of a marriage. Can I just share that with you a moment? Let's, let's, let's take the Lord's table a minute. I, I would say to you this morning, it has two parts. Now, I know it has many parts, but it has two parts. It's got a top and it's got a base, okay? Now, for a table to be a table, it has to have a top and it has to, be a, has to have a base. Or it's not a table. I mean, if all you got is a base, but you don't have a top, you don't have a table. And if all you got is a top and not a base, you don't have a table, right? And so, okay, so here's this table. What's the base doing? What, what's the base doing? What's its job? What's it, what's it doing? It's holding the top up. I would suggest to you this morning, that's what submission is. Coming under to hold up. Because you know what's going to happen to that top if that base gets out of there? <laughs> we no longer have a table. We got a mess. I think that's a good picture of a husband and a wife. God designed. God decided. You and I did not. This is his plan. That the man be the top and the woman be the base. Now, would you say the top is more valuable than the base? No, of course not. I mean, it's silly. Did we ever sit around in the factory going, well, the top is a lot more important than the base? Or the base is a lot more important than the top? No, we, we don't even talk like that. Oh, why are we talking like that? Because our culture is trying to tear apart the top and the base. And literally trying to turn the thing upside down so the top will be on the floor and the base will be on the top. What kind of table have you got then? Right, boys and girls, can you see yourself coming to dinner with the table upside down today, the legs sticking up? Now, where are you going to put your plate? It doesn't work. It doesn't work in marriage either. It doesn't mean one is better than the other, but, but both have specific callings, and the calling of the base is to hold up the top. Gentlemen, some of us are making it very hard on the base to hold us up. Very hard. That's not loving. Listen, if you got somebody holding you up, you, you ought to be nice to them. Because you know what can happen? They can decide to no longer hold you up. They drop you on the floor. So let's, let's thank God for our wives that are holding us up. What does a woman need in order to submit? Uh, I think one thing right off the bat is, is faith in God. Trust in God, I think, is the number one requirement. If you're struggling to submit to your husband, it may be, ladies, that you're not trusting God. I know that's hard to say. 
But I got to say it. Because this is God's plan. And you're fighting God's plan. Do you, do you hear me? You're fighting God. You're not fighting. You're fighting God. Oh. Some of you say to me, but pastor, you don't understand. I have to take charge of the finances or it'd be a mess. I have to take charge of the children and uh, having devotions at the table because he, he doesn't do anything. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And I understand in some cases that that may very well be. But I'm asking you this morning, are you submitting to your husband? Are you trusting God? So I think that's the first one. And, and then what falls, of course, always is obedience to the call of God on your life to be the base. And it's a vision to understand one of the reasons for my marriage is to reflect Jesus because Jesus submitted to his Father and it wasn't easy. Hello? It wasn't easy for the Son to submit, was it? And it takes humility. It takes, it takes humility. But let me remind you and hope to motivate you in it. It is God's appointed plan. So it is a wise plan. It is God's plan. It is a good plan. It is God's appointed provision. It will bring peace to your home. Some of the turmoil in your home is coming from the fact that you are trying to clash with the authority God has placed in it. Okay, ladies. Let's go to the husbands. I didn't hear any ladies say amen, but okay, here we go. Husbands. What's your command, husbands? Love. Your wives. You, you know this word love. It's often been explained to you, taught to us. This is, this is the word that has to do with sacrifice. This is the word that has to do with serving. This doesn't have anything to do with how you feel. It's an unconditional command, just as the woman was commanded to submit without any condition. So the husband is commanded to love his wife. So even when she's a bit grumpy, uh, you're to love your wife. Even when she's struggling and, and troubled, you're to love your wife um, because it's a sacrificial love. It will mean you have to give. It will mean you'll have to give up things sometimes. The priority will not be your new shotgun. The priority might be new dishes. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a lifestyle of putting my wife first because she is so valuable to me. She is cherished by me. You bore into the, to the root of my soul and you will find a man that is a one-woman man focused on her. That's love. Is, is, am I describing your relationship, husbands, to your wives? Is she the priority of your life, or are you? Jesus Christ laid down his glory to come upon the face of the earth and love the church. So, here we have it, gentlemen. Who is our example for love? It's Jesus Christ. He is who we look to to figure this out. How do I love my wife? Just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what that means. He died on a cross. So women live for their husbands. Men die for their wives. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of picture in a broad statement. 
as Christ loved the church. And the text tells us this is a sacrificial love for the husband. Uh, just as Christ loved the church. That's sacrificial. But it's also sanctifying. He has as his desire, Jesus Christ, the church to grow up and be strong in the faith and, and love the Father. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is always encouraging the church, working in the church, to know the Father. He's teaching the Father. He's teaching the kingdom of God, as we read this morning in the Beatitudes. This is his passion. How do I know if I love my wife? Is she growing in Christ? Is that my, is that my heart that I'm caring for her spiritually? That I'm leading in that way. And I know some men can't read well, and so they don't read the Bible at, at the table. Their wives do, because they don't read well, and it would be embarrassing for them to read in front of their kids. And that's fine. The husband and wife understand that. But he's responsible to see to it that they're having devotions. I don't know how you're doing there, gentlemen. It's a weakness I have. It's an attack always. Satan is always bringing something in else for us to be doing other than having devotions together. It's a war. It's caring leadership. It's to be a tender warrior. <clears throat> so Stu Weber wrote a book called A Tender Warrior. And I just thought that is the best two-word definition of a biblical husband I could find. He is tender. He is a warrior. He is compassionate and caring and feeling his wife's hurts, fears, troubles. But he's always got her back. She always knows he will protect me. He will provide for me. He will care for me. That's what love is. And again, what is What's Jesus Christ to us? Is he not your protector? We, we read this morning of, I, uh, of Psalm 46. He's my fortress. That's what a wife ought to say about her husband. He's my fortress. So that when, when you pull out of the driveway, gentlemen, and your wife looks at your car driving down the road, sees your taillights, she sees you driving, she says to herself, that guy he just loves me so much. If there's anybody in the world that loves me, that guy does. That's what she ought to be saying. That's what she ought to be feeling. That's what she ought to just, just know in the core of her soul. And it brings a woman such peace to know that. He's a tender warrior. He's the head of the woman as God is the head of God is the head of Christ, and Christ is the head of man. 1 Corinthians 11 says he's over, he is over her. She is to call him Lord, as we learn in 1 Peter chapter 3. He's the stronger vessel, as Peter says. It is it's his responsibility to give direction, provision, and leadership. But it is in a context of love, always in a context of love. Love seeks the wife's greatest blessing. This is for her to fully know Christ. Now again, uh, 
furniture illustration. I, I think the time is moving on here, but two boards. Can you imagine two boards? I got a board in my a board in this hand, a board in this hand. Now, if you take these two pieces of wood and you properly cut the joint and you properly glue it, you can take those two boards and bring them together and put a clamp on. That's a whole other illustration of pressure in our life. Put two clamps on it. Clamp that together for a time. And that two boards will become what? One. Now, when you look at it, you'll still see that this board's a little different than this board. Yep, there's a, <laughs> there's a difference between a man and a woman. Yep, yep, we can see this. But they have come together, and they are one. Now, listen, if you take that board that's been properly glued, properly machined, properly pressured together, and you take a chisel, and you put it at the top, right at where that joint is, and you whack that with a hammer, guess where the two boards break? You'd think the joint. Not true. Won't break at the joint. It'll break and shear into one part of the or the other board, and then it might even shear it back into the other board, or might just, just shear just into one of the boards. That's a picture of really divorce. And for those that have, have struggled with divorce within the church, know what I'm saying right now. It's 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 a hard thing because the two have become one. This is what God would have us be. Two becoming one. Why? That we might reflect the Trinity, yes, to be sure, but the love Jesus Christ has for the church, that we might be in Christ to know him. This is, this is the picture that your marriage should be. Two boards becoming one. Two flesh becoming one flesh. That's the picture here. So leave your father and mother that you might become one. So let's summarize. Here's the error of passivity for a husband. <clears throat> How would you describe him? He's a wimp. He does, he does nothing. Here's the other extreme. Uh, he's aggressive. He, he runs everything. He's in charge of everything. He knows where every penny's spent. He, he's, he's in control of everything in the house. Okay, so you get the two extremes. What's the balance? What's the... Where's the right picture here? Well, it's tender warrior. Loving, humble, headship, leadership, but always caring. All right, wife, let's get this. The passive, a doormat. Whatever he says, I make no decisions. I have to check everything with him, make sure everything's okay. If it's not, I understand it's all my fault. Or... There's the one who usurps and checks and, and aggressively denies and fights and is passively resistant against the husband's leadership and will. Every time he suggests this, something's wrong with it and it never is right. And, and where is it? Could I give you a two-word definition for a woman, a wife? A nurturing queen. How do you like that one, ladies? Talk to me afterwards about that one. Nurturing queen. Listen, that's your strength. You're a nurturer, but you're also the queen. Okay, you're not the king. I understand that. But you're the queen. And gentlemen, we ought to treat her accordingly. She's joyful. She's intelligent. She's submissive. She's a nurturing queen. 
She's strong in Christ. And her trust in him never wavers. Even when her husband wavers, she stays strong to love and serve him. Congregation, we've considered this morning just <laughs> a few thoughts from this vast and deep text. Wonderful text. So much so that even Paul says, this is profound. But what we've tried to do this morning is think about husbands and wives. But what we've also seen is that for a husband to go to Jesus Christ for his direction and for a wife to go to Jesus Christ for his direction. And isn't that where we all belong going? Amen? In whatever calls upon our life to go to Jesus Christ. And so I trust this morning that we've magnified him for he is our leader. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you today for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask of you, O oh Lord, to help us to follow Christ in all that we do and say. Help us, Lord, to follow Christ in our homes and in our marriages. Bless, I pray, the marriages within this church. And perhaps, Lord, there's a marriage here this morning that's struggling. It's, it's not doing well. We don't know about it. It's, it's a hidden secret. The husband, the wife know it, but no one else does. Would you encourage them today? Would you help them in their spiritual warfare to battle Satan and evil and to help them love and submit and surrender to one another? Father, for the marriages here that are, are doing well, I pray that you would help them even do better because it's good to be strong, strong in Christ. Lord, may it be said about this church that that's a church with some, with some husbands and wives that sure do love each other. Help us to that end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.